Welcome to Psychedelicast. Hosted by Clinton Cayley, this show is an interview-based podcast focused on offering listeners in-depth information concerning plant medicines, entheogens, and all subjects tangential to psychedelia. Join us in prying open the third eye. The following is an episode of Rawcast Recycle. This piece was originally recorded on the now defunct show Rawcast the Antisocial Commentary Podcast. However, the content does specifically relate to psychedelia, and we think there's some good information here. So if you notice some inconsistencies, that's just kind of the way it is due to the recording process. We are just recycling these for Psychedelicast. We hope that you enjoy this show just as much as our regular episodes. You know, in the Amazon, they believe that, that there is an intelligent spirit that lies behind ayahuasca. They don't think they're dealing with just plants, and who are we to say they're wrong? The, the shamans believe that, that an intelligent entity, a, a spirit being, lies behind the ayahuasca beverage, and that, and that she, and they always regard her as a, as a female presence, um, that her business is the planet, and the betterment of human beings. Strange idea, huh? That, but this is, this is what they, 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 they believe in the Amazon, and they know a damn sight more about it than, uh, than, than, than we do. Well, one of the ways this works is that ayahuasca will typically show you your own life uh, in an extremely clear and unconfused way. You know, normally we protect our own behavior with all sorts of little personal explanations and reasons for why we behave in the way that we do. Ayahuasca will show you absolutely clearly and honestly really why you behaved in the way that you did. This is Rawcast, episode 42. Thank you guys so much for being here. We are going to round out a three-part series covering my adventures and misadventures with... uh, shamanic brew known as ayahuasca tonight we're going to cover um the story or the telling of my second ayahuasca ceremony and uh then we'll be done with ayahuasca maybe you guys are tired of hearing about it maybe you're fascinated either way this will be the last episode we do on it for the time being perhaps in the future we'll revisit tonight we're going to call this episode conversations with the grandmothers and that will make sense more here in a second but before we get into the meat, into the into the viscera of tonight's episode. Let's hear a word from our sponsors. Are you interested in the medicinal benefits of cannabis but concerned with the legal and professional ramifications of using marijuana? If so, then CBD's Apothecary is a one-stop shop for all your CBD needs. People all over the world are turning to CBD to alleviate stress and anxiety, get better sleep, reduce inflammation, relieve pain, and so much more. CBD's Apothecary curates a full line of branded and lab-tested CBD products. Visit www.cbdsapothecary.com to shop our CBD oils, vapes, edibles, topicals, and supplements. CBD's Apothecary is also home to the only CBD-infused nut edible on the planet, CBD's Nuts. Our edibles start at just $5 a bag, and we've recently reduced the price of our most popular product, CBD's Drops 1000 mg CBD oil, to only $50 a bottle. We have specifically priced our products to make CBD affordable and accessible to everyone. Shop now at www.cbdsapothecary.com. That's www.cbdeezapothecary.com. Rawcast listeners enjoy a 10% discount at checkout with the promo code RAWCAST. Thank you so much, CBD's Apothecary. We could not do it without you. Well, maybe we could, but we wouldn't want to. Appreciate you guys pick up uh, some CBD from those guys. Um, When I say those guys, I mean myself because I run the company single-handedly. But we do uh, deliver some great CBD at very reasonable prices. 1,000 milligrams for 50 bucks. That's all I got to say about that. Let's get into tonight's episode. 
We're going to talk about my second experience drinking ayahuasca. We're going to start off um, with a portion of the reading, same way we did on last week's episode, and then I'll kind of talk you through it on points that I want to expound on. Uh, I was actually just on No Redeeming Qualities earlier today. Shout out once again to Bob and Zip. I believe their episode, that uh, our episode together, drops um, on their podcast in a week or so. I'm not exactly sure. Regardless, let's talk about drinking ayahuasca for the second time. On the second night, the fear had a good hold on me as we entered the Maloka. After witnessing the raw ferocity and power of the previous night's ceremony, to drink again was a daunting proposition to say the least. I knew it would be rewarding, but punishing, and it was difficult to offer myself up again. I changed my mind on and off during the day leading up to the ceremony's beginning, but after an hour's guided yoga and meditation session, I felt grounded enough to drink again. I told myself to be brave like Terrence McKenna would be. His spirit had visited me on the first night. Be brave and take this holy sacrament. Face God once more. But I did not feel brave. I gathered what resolve I could muster as the ceremony began, repeating a mantra in my head over and over. My golden heart, the purple peace of my mind, the strength of my ancestors, the love of my family. So as the ceremony began, the doctor, um, very nice woman who was taking good care of us the whole time, she kind of guided us through a secondary, probably 10-minute meditation session um, where she told us to envision, um, basically to envision our heart or our mind, I can't remember, but she said to envision a giant black rock and to envision ourselves cracking the rock open. Um, and so I kind of had an intention for tonight, first of all, to not be completely crushed by the weight of the DMT, but to try to align my mind, my soul, and my body, the three cornerstones of my being, into one um, one entity operating in unison. So during this guided meditation, I was focusing on using my mind. I was seeing my mind as a purple array, basically, because um, the night before I had had this vision, which I talked about in the last episode, where Grandmother Ayahuasca sent me this uh, overwhelming, unimaginable sense of peace, um, and it was sent to, sent to me in the form of a purple neon anaconda that entered my head. Um, by the way, if you're just joining for this episode, you didn't listen to the last episode, get ready for some woo-woo. And I'm not a particularly woo-woo type person, you know. Um, I'm not a particularly, I haven't previously been a particularly religious or spiritual person, um, but I've had an experience here that's uh, drastically shaken up my view of the world in those aspects. Um, but anyways, I had this experience, this vision where I saw a purple anaconda move from this grandma, grandmother ayahuasca entity uh, into myself, and it, I was overwhelmed by this, the most um, unbelievable, intense sense of peace that I've ever felt in my life. So uh, coupled with that vision, I had the vision of my grandparents and the golden heart they'd basically given to me that they kind of worked on and healed. So I took both of these images, I took this imagery from these visions of the previous night to kind of basically steal myself and brace myself for the second ceremony because to be honest with you, dude, I was pretty fucking scared. I wasn't super excited about going back in there uh, and facing that level of intensity. Um, I wanted to do it, I wanted to be brave, I knew that I needed to, so I went ahead, bit the bullet, and did it. Um, but I held on to these couple different uh, pieces of imagery from the first night that really brought me a sense of unity within myself and a sense of peace. So this mantra would be my anchor to reality. This would be my beacon in the dark. We prayed, we blessed ourselves, we sat, we drank. Uh, I, I gotta tell the truth here. On the first night, I tipped my cup back and allowed the ayahuasca to drain completely for several seconds, com like fully emptied my glass. The second night, I was happy just to shoot it down and leave a thin remnant in the bottom of the cup. 
some, during our group discussion of the night before, during our group discussion of the first night's uh, ceremony, which happened um, on the day of the second ceremony, group discussion obviously took place after the first ceremony. Um, the master told me that my body was particularly sensitive to the medicine and that my dose didn't need to be high for a strong effect. Um, because I was one of only two who didn't vomit, the DMT had free reign and full effect on me and low, no concentration was lost in purging, um, being due to the fact that I didn't vomit any of it up. Um, I had to agree with him. My dose on the first night was among the smallest doses poured, yet my experience had been absolutely cataclysmic. Regardless, my heart thumped ominously in my chest. I breathed deep and slow as the lights went out and the fire sputtered to sleep. I willed my heart to slow and be quiet. I envisioned my glowing heart inside a black stone. I used the purple array of my mind to crack this stone open and combine both my mind and my golden heart inside my body, therefore unifying uh, myself. My mantra continued to comfort me. My golden heart, the purple piece of my mind, the strength of my ancestors, and the love of my family. I waited for the master's first song to call on the spirits, and time seemed to crawl. Nearly an hour had passed. Did it take this long last night? I can't quite remember. This chant continued inside my head. Maybe I didn't have enough tonight. Maybe I won't be affected. Uh, this thought actually comforted me, thinking that maybe I hadn't had enough, I wouldn't be affected, and I could just kind of appease myself by saying, Hey, I drank, but nothing happened. I did what I could. This would not be the case. Uh, the shaman was blowing soft whispers of breath, doing some light breath work, and then suddenly, gently, he began to sing his Icaros. On cue, my thoughts twisted like a snake inside my head. Here we go. Better hold the fuck on. I was not violently raptured as the night before. Still, the effects intensified quickly as the master sung us beyond the veil. I had the distinct impression that I was entering the realm of the dead. I was not dying, but was crossing the threshold of this world into the next. I was in a twilight realm. Alien landscape and geometry swirled around me. Eyes closed, eyes open, made no difference. Overlaid in my field of vision were swirls of color and shifting symmetrical grids of various geometric patterns. Uh, these would disintegrate and open portals that I could venture into. The anxiety I felt before the onset had faded, but I still had this queer, eerie feeling, like I was somewhere I didn't quite belong. So this was a very strange sensation, although the I, I went into like a trance-like state. It was intense, but it wasn't as rapidly moving. It was like I had more time to... It was almost like things were moving in slow motion, actually, oddly enough. Um... But I did, I had this distinct sense that I was passing from the realm of the physical into the realm of the ethereal, the realm of the spirit, the, the realm of the dead. It's the best way I can describe it. And that I was like peeking behind the veil and I really wasn't supposed to be there almost. Um, so I was like seeing these crazy geometric patterns and these like these intricate sacred geometrical figures that would like open up portals in the air that I could see um inside and like it was like a doorway like a like in a like a window that I could look into and in the window there would be different planets different galaxies different times different landscapes and these portals would kind of open with this geometric pattern and like suck closed and like a couple times I would and I knew that like intuitively I knew I could venture into these portals and go there where the portal led but honestly I had this sense that like I could get lost in them and so I remember kind of like almost like sticking my head into a couple of them and peeking and seeing like these like I was on other planets or in other galaxies is the best way I can describe it like everything was alien and strange like nothing looked like, everything was just alien is the best way I can describe it. So I didn't take the opportunity to go into these portals. Um, I knew that I could, though. Um, so the master's opening Icarus ended, and I could hear, like, this strange tinkling ping-ping sounds inside my head, almost musical, disconcerting. Uh, I wasn't afraid, but I was profoundly uncomfortable. Uh, weird moons and planets floated by and around me. My mind turned over in a way filled with strange esoteric thoughts and insights that were difficult for me to comprehend. 
I was walking the plane of the spirit. This was not my home. I was out of place. The intensity was present. Uh, however, the violence was not, and for that I was very grateful. Um, my sense of smell was particularly heightened uh, to a level of previously unknown sensitivity. Every waft of the master's mapacho smoke sent me deeper and deeper into this bizarre, tranquil, trance-like state. The maestro misted the air with a blast of flower water that he would blow from his mouth in a plume. Uh, this smell agitated me greatly while the earthy tobacco scent was actually calming. So the flower water, the agua, agua florida, he would take it in his mouth and he would go like, I don't know if you can hear that, but like swish it around in his mouth. And then he would like blow it out in a big blast and it would like miss the air. And the, the smell was like really, really sweet and cloying. And for some reason, this agitated me. Uh, each sensation offered new and equally unearthly insights. My thoughts were strange plants and mycelial growth probing the astral plane. Alien insects crawled around inside my skull, scuttling to and fro. I could dismantle ideas down to a minute cellular, cellular level and examine them only to forget as soon as I moved on to the next wonder. I was deep, but I could find my body again at will. The shaman's song guided me back to where I lay. The songs were especially beautiful and effective tonight. I focused in on them, and I found my body unconsciously moving to the ancient rhythms, and I remember having this feeling like that I was not in control of my movements, and that I was my body was subconsciously reacting uh, to the rhythms of these bizarre, ancient-sounding, tribal songs. Um, so I asked for a mapacho cigarette, and I was given one. The leathery smoke of raw, unfiltered jungle tobacco filled my lungs. I had a vision of all humanity sitting around an ancient, primordial campfire with the shaman, telling us tales of wisdom and mystery to all of mankind, relating deep, forgotten truths as we laughed and gathered together. Um, and I remember this vision particularly um, vividly. Like, it was like the shaman was there in the glow of the campfire, and then in a circle, like, infinitely outward was what I can only describe as the entirety of humanity. And the fire's glow only illuminated, like, the first couple rows of people, but I just had this feeling that everyone was there. Um, I imagined the nicotine entering my bloodstream as I smoked the Mapacho cigarette, dilating my blood vessels, intensifying my experience via chemical introduction. Somewhere in my slowly rolling psyche, this bothered me. Uh, like we talked about on the first, uh, or the last episode concerning the first night, the doctor had been concerned with my blood pressure since my arrival at the facility. The altitude and lack of oxygen had caused it to be slightly higher than normal. So she, spayed, uh, she paid special attention to me, checking me often, including during ceremony. As I smoked, I built an anxiety over this, but the mother finally spoke to me. Do you think blood pressure matters here, she said? You are under my care. Blood pressure is a matter of the physical world. You are elsewhere. No need to concern yourself. Enjoy your cigarette because I know it comforts you and you've earned it. So my discomfort immediately dissolves. Uh, the doctor came and checked my blood pressure. Uh, she told me that it was high or higher than she would have liked um, so that I couldn't have a second dose of medicine. At this point, they were handing out second doses of medicine to those who wanted or second doses of ayahuasca to those who wanted it. Um, the mother was speaking to me throughout, throughout this process. She told me doses are irrelevant. Blood pressure is irrelevant. I will give you exactly what you need. She is doing her job. Thank her and dismiss her. There are spirits here that wish to commune with you. Um, so I told the doctor, thank you, but I don't want any more. And I really didn't. I was, I was in a perfect place at that time. Um, and I didn't want to ratchet up the intensity because I was at this point where I was having these insights and these really... Um, deep emotional states and these deep things that were being taught to me. And I was also concerned that if I, if the intensity were ratcheted up by a second dose, that I would get back to that point where everything was coming in such a rapid, rapid fire onslaught that I wouldn't, I would be back out of the zone where I could maintain um, focus on, on things for, for periods of time. Uh, at this point, I was ushered into the presence of the Divine Feminine. I could feel many mothers with me. My mother was with me. I envisioned her face, and it was beautiful, beaming with love, and I began to cry quietly. 
I began to connect with all mothers from all time. I felt the overwhelming love they had for their children, and it was very, very intense. My heart began to visibly glow in my chest again as this love was transferred to me. I asked Grandmother Ayahuasca to speak with my grandmothers, and she said yes, and she approached, she approached me with their spirits um, in my mind, in my thoughts. Um, I didn't have visions of them, but it was like I was accessing their, and I'm not, and this was like, this was like their actual spirits were speaking with me, like I was speaking to them, and they were, we were having a conversation. So I began to converse with my dead grandmothers, just as if they sat there with me in the maloka. I told them that I hadn't even realized how much I missed them, that I didn't know how badly I needed to have this moment with them. Um, and they spoke as grandmothers often do, gent gently and honestly. And they told me um, in so many words, Son, you spend a lot of your time distracting yourself from these kinds of feelings. You feel the need to occupy your time constantly, partially to avoid processing these things that you need to feel. Um, it's okay to slow down and feel these things, to be vulnerable, to be present. Um, I told them that I also felt guilty that I hadn't been as present as I thought I should have near the end. And they didn't even offer me, like, forgiveness for this. They basically just told me, like, let it go. Like, you know that we wouldn't want you to feel that way. You know that we love loved you and do love you and that you don't need to feel that kind of um, guilt. And uh, I can feel them, Mother Ayahuasca and my mom's mom, Mimi, particularly. They were, like, rinsing my heart. They were erasing these negative energies, uh, these negative feelings I was holding, like guilt, shame, embarrassment, things like that. They were telling me, like, be whole, be whole, my son. Um, all three of my grandmothers would speak to me in unison, um, both my grandmothers and grandmother Ayahuasca. And they were telling me things along the lines of, you know, use your gifts to do your good work, the work of God. Use your beautiful words that you love so much. It will be difficult to relay this experience to others, but try. Do your best. This is your duty. They were affirming me. They were telling me to utilize my language and my insights uh, that I had gathered during these experiences to help others as I have been helped. Uh, they commissioned me to share my lessons, telling me to never feel that my words should be silenced. They were telling me, use them as you love to do. Speak life, write love. This is your gift. Exercise it as you see fit. Um, so for me, this was a wonderful moment of closure. Uh, to know that my grandmothers were still there in the ether beyond this world. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind after this experience that life continues beyond this physical existence. Um, and so this conversation between me and the three, my grandmothers and grandmother Ayahuasca went on for what I would estimate was at least an hour, maybe more. We talked about a lot of things, but they were generally affirming me kind of helping me to move past these feelings. And it wasn't just the feelings of guilt around my relationship with them, but it was feelings of guilt and shame and embarrassment in my life in general that they were kind of cleansing me of, and rinsing me of. Um, and this was a very sweet moment for me. This was a very uh, beautiful moment of closure that I didn't even realize that I needed, to be honest. I, had, I didn't even think that... I had no inkling that this would come up during my uh, experience. Some of these things I kind of intuitively knew were going to come up. I knew the control issue was going to come up. I knew that something to do with my father and the value of love and things like that were going to come up. This, with my grandmothers, I did not see this coming up. I didn't even... Uh, it just didn't really cross my mind that this was going to happen. So it took me by surprise, but it was a really sweet surprise to have this moment with my the spirits of my grandmothers. Um, and like I say, this entire experience the second night was very slow-moving, tranquil, very strange and intense, but not as uh, domineering or as just aggressive as the first night is, a, is the best way I can describe it. Um, and yeah, I knew that they were that my grandmothers were were spiritually with me. That this wasn't 
coming this wasn't me talking to myself you know the grandmother ayahuasca entity i can question whether or not it truly is grandmother ayahuasca or whether it's my own subconscious speaking to me but i actually asked the shaman about this i don't know if i said this in the last episode but i asked the shaman about this is this entity that's speaking to me truly an extrinsic force or is it my subconscious teaching me things and he told me you grandmother ayahuasca lives within you it's the same thing basically it's all the same thing is basically what he told me um that's all i can tell you about it is that it feels like it's it feels like it's coming from outside um so at this point the experience begins to fade away um and the maestro lays back he's finished seeing with the spirits um he sang several songs but i was so caught up in these conversations and these visions um that um in the beginning and midpoints of the ceremony i was really with the songs and paying attention but as the night went on and i kind of went deeper into the spirit realm i lost track of the songs because i was just focusing on other things um at this point i was in this kind of state of sweet tranquil bliss mama ayahuasca was the last to leave me after the conversation with my grandmothers was over um And I thanked her for being with me and for bringing my grandmothers to be with us. Um, She thanked me for coming. She told me that she would see me again and would call to me when it was time. She told me, take your lessons home and do your work. You have more to learn. We have more to work on. But your heart is full for for now. So share with the others. Love them. Love yourself. Forgive yourself. We will be together again, my son. And uh, again, my mantra repeats in my head here at the end, my golden heart, the purple peace of my mind, the strength of my ancestors, and the love of my family. So this closure with my, with my grandmothers, also I had closure with Grandma Ayahuasca, and she, she basically told me, um, remember those lessons you learned on the first night? Um, Tonight you've been given something that you didn't realize that you needed, but that you did, which was closure with your grandmothers. Closure concerning your grandmothers to say goodbye one last time for them to speak to you and relay these things to you and to heal you and to rinse you of these feelings of guilt and shame that you carry with you over various different um, issues in your life. Um, But Grandmother Ayahuasca told me, to take my lessons home with me to do my work and you know she's like you know what you need to do you know what you've learned here that needs to go home with you and this is not the last time that you'll that we'll meet um you'll be back and i'll call to you when it's time you'll know you'll feel me uh much like you did with the initial um with this initial meeting you'll feel me you'll know when it's time to come back and i know that i will and it was just a really a wonderful moment of affirmation and closure that this whole thing that I that I'd made the right decision to come here that I had come gone looking for something and that I found it in spades um, and beyond my wildest inkling of what it could be um, and so you know, at this point, I'm just laying there on my mat, and I'm really just basking in this peaceful moment, and this overwhelming gratefulness is just coursing through my body, and I all I can feel is just gratitude for this moment, and for these people around me, and for this experience that I've just had that's been a life-altering experience. You know, I, I know that I've had just had an experience that has changed the direction of my life forever, and has shown me things that I would maybe would have accessed given years of experience and work outside of this, but that in two days I've been shown deep, um, important truths about life that I was previously not privy to. And so it was just like that, just like she told me that she gave me exactly what I needed even things that I didn't realize that I needed or hadn't even thought of, you know, 
Um, I was shown things that I would have never asked for because I didn't realize that they that they were necessary for my growth. Um, and so that's just another facet of the medicine um, that people that I'd heard about, but I didn't understand until I experienced it. Um, one by one, we made our way out of the Maloka on shaky legs. We gathered for soup in the kitchen, wide-eyed warriors all. The impossibly potent drug faded from our agitated nervous systems. We had shared a battlefield and forged strong bonds in what seemed to me to be a spiritual reckoning that I have never previously encountered. God is real, magic exists, and death is not the end. And that's the ending of my writing concerning, uh, pardon me, concerning the second night. Um, but I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about the people that I was with and kind of close out um, the, the end of my experience and where I went from per, through Peru from there and kind of what I've brought home with me and how my life has been um, rapidly evolving and changing over the last three weeks, two or three weeks. Um, so we sat there that night and we all discussed, you know, we hugged each other, embraced each other. I mean, at the end, that's you just you feel this connection to these people um i wasn't experiencing so much of the telepathy aspect on the second night as i was on the first night i mean on the first night my connection to people which was which seemed telepathic was just rampant like it was so it was constant i was in like connection with all the people in the room constantly it was almost to the point where i was like okay this is enough like i don't want to like this connection needs to we need to sever this connection for a few minutes at least so I didn't have that aspect so much on the second night um but you just you're there you're you're experiencing you can feel what these other people are experiencing and I know what my experience was like um so I can only imagine that just hearing the way that some of these people were purging and struggling like this like on this night there were two new people uh drinking with us and the guy next to me who hadn't been there on my previous night, man, I felt so bad for this guy. I wanted to help him so bad because right when we start, when we drank, about 10 minutes in, he got so agitated. And, man, he just could not sit still. He's just crawling in his skin. Um, and I'm like, man, I, I, like, I want to give him some of this peace that I have because as soon as my experience began, I was revisited by that extreme sense of peace and tranquility. Um, and I was so thankful for that. Um, but he was just struggling and he was asking the lady, he was asking for help. He's like, please help me, please help me. And so they, you know, the facilitator and the doctor come and they're trying to comfort him. Um, but this is part of the experience. You have to go through these difficult portions. Um, it's necessary. No one can save you from it and you, sh you, you shouldn't be saved. Um, and so, and that's one of the overarching things, and I'm going to try to bring it back to that point here in a second, which I, I'm, I'm gathering new insights and understanding each day as I think about this and replay it and go over it. I'm starting, it, it becomes, some things become more hazy and some things become more clear. Um, but at, at a point he was like, okay, get me out of here. Please take me out of here. I can't take this. Like, please take me out of here. Like he was begging them to stop this experience and they're like you need to stay you know you need and I, I can hear all this is happening probably like two feet away from me um but I'm letting it go you know and, and there's parts of it that are making me anxious as well like could that happen to me can I fall into that same experience like you know he's struggling is it gonna rub off on me or am I gonna go down that path um but I'm letting it go you know I'm letting it go and I'm just trying to send peace to my friend next to me who's struggling and so finally, man, he like, he goes through this intense, um, I would guess hour to two hours of just, you know, struggle, serious struggle. And so I can finally tell when he's, he's gotten to the point where he's, um, able to manage it again. And, you know, that was kind of, when I think about it now, I think that's one of the overarching themes is of, of everything that I learned is that um, we need to learn, or I needed to learn, to sit with myself. Not only be present, don't try to escape everything, um, but also 
during the uncomfortable moments of life. You need to be there to experience those things. That's That was the same thing I was being taught with my grandmothers. Um, what they were teaching me about not constantly throwing myself into projects and work in order to um, compartmentalize and escape these feelings that I really don't want to feel, that I don't want to experience. Um, that's the same thing about Grandma Ayahuasca telling me the future is always waiting. Don't be, uh, don't constantly be looking to the future. Like be here now. Don't try to escape the moment, um, which is like a, just a subconscious thing that we do or that I do. Also, the portions of the experience where I was trying to escape the difficulty of it or the intensity of it by returning my mind to the mundane or to the things that I needed to handle in my everyday life. And she's telling me, don't do that. Like, Be here in this moment. I know it's uncomfortable, but you need to go through this. You need to learn to embrace the difficult and uncomfortable moments of life. Um, you're attempting to what you're trying to do right now is to escape this moment because you're uncomfortable. You need to learn to be in these uncomfortable moments and don't try to escape because these are the moments of life where you learn the important lessons. Um, so it's kind of this overarching theme of everything connecting to this idea of being in the moment and not escaping from the moment or not attempting to escape from the moment. Um, and I kind of been putting that slowly together over the last two or three weeks. Um, and it's becoming clearer and clearer. And like each time I feel like I have the, the base level of the lesson, it kind of deepens. So I'm sure it will will dive even deeper than that as time goes on and with further experiences in uh, the realms of ayahuasca and the realms of consciousness in general. Um, so, man, I really forged some strong bonds with those people very quickly. Very intense relationships uh, occur quickly because you are really going into... The only thing that I can describe it as is spiritual warfare. You know, you're battling with these people um, and they're battling alongside you and you're struggling and they're struggling and you're having breakthroughs and they're having breakthroughs and it's beauty and it's pain and it's scary and it's triumph and it's all these things, you know, wrapped into one in a small period of time that you're experiencing together. You know, the psychedelic experience is a microcosm of life. What you experience in a four to six hour psychedelic experience like this is what you would experience over four to six years of your life. These lessons you learn, but it's just compacted and it's hyper intense um, so that the lesson is embedded quickly and deeply. And I really believe that's one of their main functions is to allow us to learn deep truths and deep insights rapidly. Um, it's almost like skipping levels. It's like leveling up quicker than you, you're supposed to. Now that's not always a good thing, but I feel like I've kind of gamed the system a little bit here in, in the fact that I've been shown these truths that would have taken me, you know, maybe I would have like realized these things in years. Maybe I never would have. Um, it's tough to call. Um, so now that I'm back home, you know, the, the rest of the week I went, uh, moved around Peru. Uh, I spent time in just the local, um, basically the food scene since I was alone. Uh, I definitely went and had some local beers afterwards. I wasn't supposed to. I had chocolate. I had coffee. I had all the red meat that I wanted. I did. I went ahead and indulged in everything I'd had in, in the last couple weeks and everything I really wasn't supposed to yet. Um, but Man, I'm a foodie in a foreign country. Come on, dude. You got to cut me some slack. And I actually caught a brutal gout attack on the way back. And I feel like it was almost like a final little poke at me or like a jab from like ayahuasca telling me, hey, you know, you weren't supposed to do that. And it, it, wasn't, a, it wasn't a horrible gout attack. It was just pretty bad and annoying. So I felt like it was that final like, hey, you know, you weren't supposed to do that uh, kind of a thing. Um because I ate all the red meat and drank the coffee and ate the chocolate and drank the beers and yada, yada, yada. 
Um, wouldn't have changed that though, because uh, I had some beautiful meals and some wonderful experiences there. Um, and then I flew back home and I landed in Houston. And another thing that I was really hoping to get out of this trip that I feel like I did get um, almost subconsciously and in a way that I haven't really uh, received before um, one specific vision. Well, I'll tell you about this vision. I'll kind of tell you what it meant to me and how it's kind of affected me uh, right at this point. So I had this one vision during ceremony. I can't remember if it was my first or second. I think it was my first night. And they give you these big, like, heavy alpaca wool blankets um, because it, depending on time of the year, it can be, you know, can be pretty cold out there during the at night when you're in the Moloko. And so I kind of had it folded up, laying over my legs. I may have mentioned this vision in the last episode. I can't remember. But at one point, I had this visualization or vision that it was a giant black anaconda because it was heavy and it was laying across my legs and my lap. And I got scared for a second because I thought, oh, it's a, it's a big snake. Oh, it's going to bite me. And uh, Grandmother Ayahuasca kind of whispers to me. She's like, no. You know, the snake is not going to bite you. Don't worry. Because the snake is you. And the snake is laying dormant right now. So this snake is an aspect of your personality that is lying dormant. It's a, it's a big, powerful snake. It could do damage. It has the potential to do damage. But it's not right now. And it's, it's, an, aspect of your, it's an aspect of your life that you need to awaken. You need to awaken this snake, which is you. And I intuitively understood what it meant. And I knew that it had to do with my body, my physicality, my weight, basically. And my, you know, my lifelong struggle with being overweight, my relationship with food, my relationship with exercise, which I've been working on for the past four years, three, four, five years now. I've been learning, but I still haven't overcome this. You know, early this year, I lost... I got down to 220, 225, which is uh, one of my lowest weights ever in my adult life. I've actually had actually climbed all the way back up to like my initial starting weight. Embarrassingly enough, I fluctuated. I lost like 40 pounds and put 40 pounds back on in the span of like eight, nine months. So yeah, that's embarrassing, but I'm heading in the right direction now. Um, so since I've been back, I've lost. I've lost uh, 15 pounds roughly. Um, and it's because I feel this different connection to my body all of a sudden. I feel this, uh, I have this perspective on my health now that I've never had before because I've always been looking at my health through a very physical, visceral aspect. But now I, I almost see it in a spiritual aspect like your mind, your body, and your soul need to be in unison. And when any of the three is out of whack, that you're not balanced. And I never really thought of it like that. I never really had been given that insight before to look at my, to look at each of these three facets from the opposite facets. So look at your spirituality from a, a standpoint of your logical mind. Look at your physical physical body from a spiritual standpoint, look at your mentality from a spiritual standpoint, you know, to look at each of these three things from the opposite, um, different, not the opposite, but the differing standpoint of the, each of the others. So I feel like I was shown that in a subconscious manner. And I feel like that's changed some of the habits that I've had trouble breaking. Um, and I'm really excited about that. And, um, it's not going to happen overnight. I understand that this, that I've been shown this because it's a, it's a, it's a task that I have to undertake. It's a, it's work that needs to be done. I understand that. And ayahuasca is not a, a magic pill. It's not a one-time cure-all. It requires, it, it offers you these insights, which you can follow, you can choose to follow or not. Um, but you don't drink ayahuasca and drop 50 pounds. You drink ayahuasca, you have this insight, and then you work on it over time. And you put in the difficult, uncomfortable work up front, much like the ayahuasca experience itself, and it's rewarding in the end. 
So all these things, the, the actual ayahuasca experience, like I was saying earlier, is just these microcosms of, of life in, it, in and of itself. And so, you know, um, I've been practicing my breath work. Uh, work, you know, and it, it's not like a, it's like I understand now that it's a building process and that it's not an overnight thing. Like I get that in a way that I've never really grasped it before, but that I, I also understand that I've been given these tools to do this work and to undergo this process. Um, so I've been working on my breath work, you know, which was something I learned that I found very interesting during the entire ayahuasca experience. I would really like to become a student of the of breath work um, before my next ayahuasca experience because that's a I feel that that's a really important uh, ally to utilize during the ayahuasca ceremony so I really want to work on that to take with me for my next um, my next experience I also am really excited to take control of my health realign my physicality with my with my uh, soul and my mind to bring all these three important aspects of myself into alignment. Um, so I've been exercising, I've been doing my fasts, I've been eating uh, healthy and whole foods, and I just feel differently about it than I have in the past. I don't feel like I need to just, you know, like... um destroy everything in my path like I feel like this is a this is a worthy undertaking that deserves time and effort and that um, I'm ready to put in the work that needs to be done to overcome this in my life not to overcome this but to just evolve beyond this point it's like I'm not looking at it as an issue that needs to be overcome anymore but as a process that needs to take place in my life um, on a continuous basis so I've just been shown this perspective that I have never previously had on this aspect of my life. I'm pretty excited about it and um, I am ready to do this work that needs to be done in various different aspects of my life. Um, like I said on the last episode, I'm feeling very focused. I'm feeling very here right now. I'm feeling very present. I feel um, things that would have bothered me easily before this experience um, aren't as bothersome to me at this moment. Like I'm able to let things go. I'm able to relinquish control more often, more easily, not in a negative sense, but in a positive sense. Uh, you know, I just feel this difference in my in the core of my being that I'm very, very thankful for and that I am going to work on um, nurturing this aspect of my personality and this aspect of my being because I think it's going to be extremely useful to me and I think it's going to catalyze. I think that this these experiences have catalyzed a big change in my life and that this is just the beginning, you know. This is just the beginning of the work that I am looking forward to doing and the work that needs to be done in my life. So I'm extremely grateful for these experiences. Once again, I cannot recommend Etnikas E.T. Uh, E-T-N-I-K-A-S at Nikas Ayahuasca Retreats out of Cuzco, Peru. Um, I cannot recommend this group of people more highly. Um, I will definitely be, um, if, if I'm going back to Peru with my family and with a group of people um, that I love, I will definitely be going back to Etnikas to take them there for their first experience. Um, if I go back alone, I will probably... I would like to go have a jungle experience next. Um, but me and some of my family members have already discussed that they would like to go and have this experience. And so if that's the case, we're, we're going to go together to Etnikas and I'll do my jungle experience later on. Um, but uh, that's how, you know, I truly, I'm truly thankful for that group of people. And they made our experience, they made my experience um, better than I thought ever thought it could have been, so I cannot recommend them enough for your ayahuasca experience. Um, the future is looking very bright. Um, going to put in some bus work tomorrow. I went and saw Tool last weekend. It was a fantastic show. It was probably the best I've ever seen them. Had a blast at the show. The set list was fantastic. They were musically tight. 
the visual, the visual, you know, aspect of the show was stunning. It was an amazing show. I'm so glad that I went. Um, the bus is a constant pain in my ass, but this is one of those, you know, this, this is another thing, another microcosm of life, dude. It, uh, it's not going to be easy, but it's going to be rewarding. So tomorrow we're going to go put in some more blood, sweat, and tears on the bus. My cousin David Anthony's coming home from Belgium. He's always on the road. I'm going to chill with him tomorrow night. Um, chill with the family after some bus work. Get back after it on Sunday. So looking forward to a productive weekend um, and some good time spent with my family. And as always, um, super happy to spend this time with you wherever you are in the future you time-traveling sons of bitches. Thank you so much for listening to Rawcast. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, this series um, over my ayahuasca experiences and ayahuasca in general. Um, I know that I certainly have. I hope that this reaches you well, that it inspires you to consider this as an option for your own healing and your own progress in your life. Um, And I hope that you experience the love and the compassion and the peace that I've experienced um, in whatever manner, in some manner in your life. Thank you guys so much for listening to Rawcast. Uh, to Rawcast. And thank you so much for keeping it Rawcastian. We love you. Good night. The second thing that Ayahuasca does um, is take you on a, uh, on a journey into parallel realms. Uh, now, of course, many scientists would say this is just uh, brain candy. This is just uh, just an illusion of your own brain, disturbed brain chemistry. Um, I don't agree with those with those scientists. I can't prove they're wrong, but when I look at the burden of evidence and particularly of the huge body of knowledge that shamanistic cultures have brought together uh, on the use of, of, of visionary plants, I'm, I'm inclined to believe that they're right and that reality is much more complicated th- than we imagine and that we are surrounded uh, all the time by a vast invisible reality, normally invisible to our senses. And, and what I've found, and many others report this with, with, uh, with, with ayahuasca, uh, is that it seems to retune the receiver wavelength of the brain and allow those normal invisible realms to become visible for a brief period. So it connects us to, uh, to a much wider reality. Um, this can be deeply disturbing, but also, but also incredibly nourishing to realize that, uh, that we are not just this finite little dot, that we're part of a much huger and, and, and wider and awe-inspiring uh, reality. Oh.